This is Reflections on Investing with the Cornell Capital Group. Episode 37, Discount Rate and the Future of the Stock Market. Hello, and welcome to what will be an extended session of Reflections on Investing with the Cornell Capital Group. Today, I'm going to talk about the discount rate. I've mentioned this before in other reflections, but it's maybe one of the most important concepts in finance for understanding the behavior of the stock market. And what I'm going to be looking at today is the discount rate for the entire market. And so we'll be talking about what moves the S&P 500 index. And can we say that currently the S&P 500 index is too high or too low? And how do you make up your mind? Much of that relates to the discount rate. Now, unfortunately, to deal with the discount rate, we have to start with the discounting equation. I talked about this in some of the earliest uh, versions of Reflections on Investing, but I didn't give it sufficient attention. So we have to go back. And here is the discounting equation written in a somewhat simplified form. P is the price of the security. Since we're going to be talking throughout this session about the S&P 500, P would be the level of the S&P 500. CF is the cash flow payout currently on S&P 500 stocks. G is the rate at which that grows. So the cash flow times one plus G would be next year's payout on the S&P 500 stocks. And the current payout times one plus G squared would be two years hence. And one plus G to the fifth would be five years hence. Now, in this simplified version of the equation, I've assumed all the growth rates are the same as if we're using a long-term average growth rate. You can have different growth rates for each year, and virtually all of what I I say today will still hold, but it's unnecessarily complicated. Now, the S&P 500 won't stop after five years. The market will go on indefinitely, so we have to add what, what is called a terminal value. I'm not going to discuss this in detail here today, Basically, the terminal value is the continuing value uh, into perpetuity after the five-year horizon. I refer you to uh, the Demoteran's lengthy paper on the S&P, excuse me, on the equity risk premium, which is linked below, which will describe exactly how this terminal value works. And I think you're going to get a sense as we go forward. Now, one thing you can do with this first equation is you can divide through by the current cash flow, and that gives you price to cash flow. And there can be various measures of cash flow that you would use here. You could use earnings. You could use sales. You could use actual cash payouts to investors, which is actually the most appropriate. But what the equation tells you is that the level of the market related to cash flow depends on two fundamental things. Future expected growth rates in that cash flow and the discount rate. So if the current ratio is high, as it is today, the ratio of price to earnings or price to cash flow today is well above its its historical average. 
That must be because investors are expecting either greater than historical average growth or they're willing to accept a lower than historical average discount rate. And the discount rate here is K and this is the discounting formula. So we're going to be working with that here today. So in the early days of finance, it was assumed that the discount rate, which is also called the expected return. Now, wait a minute. I know I should stop here because as soon as I say that the discount rate, which is something where you talk about dividing and discounting, equals the expected return, which is what you expect on the market going forward, how can you use those two interchangeably? Well, in finance theory, they are exactly the same thing. The discount rate that investors will use is equal to what they think is a fair risk-adjusted return on the asset. So uh, if you think that 10% is a fair risk-adjusted return, then you're going to discount future cash flows at 10%. So for the remainder of this lecture, sometimes I'm going to be using the term expected return and other times I might say discount rate. Keep in mind, they're the same thing. Now, in the early days of, of finance the theory, uh, when Professor Eugene Fama uh, first introduced the idea of an efficient market, it was assumed that the expected return was constant. Now, if the expected return is constant, then the only thing that's going to change the price of the S&P 500 or the price to cash flow ratio for the S&P 500 are changes in the expected future growth rates. And that's where things stood early on, that the price reflected expected future growth rates. And then along comes Bob Schiller. And in perhaps his most famous paper, Schiller said, you know, wait a minute. Stock prices are incredibly variable. For example, since the mid-1970s, we've had three crashes where real stock prices dropped more than 50%. GDP doesn't do anything like that. Here, for example, is a graph of the annual GDP for the United States from 1947 through 2022. And you can see that there are barely little jiggles downward. There's nothing like a 50% crash. The series is very, very smooth. You can hardly pick out uh, the financial crisis. Uh, and even the COVID crash, which was very short but steep, is just one little blip that's soon reversed. There's nothing like a 50% crash. So what Professor Schiller said was something's wrong with this equation. There isn't enough variability in G to explain these booms and crashes in stock prices. And he had attributed it to potential market inefficiency. But it's not necessarily so. Because the assumption that the discount rate is constant is not one that there's any reason to believe is true. In fact, in his presidential address 
to the American Finance Association in 2011, John Cochran made it clear the evidence points to significant changes in the discount rate and that that can explain why stock prices are so variable. For example, even if the G remains constant, if K changes, then both the price and the price-earnings ratios can change dramatically. And in his Nobel acceptance speech, Professor Fama stressed this as well, saying that changes in expected returns are probably more important for moving stock prices than changes in expected growth rates. So <clears throat> if that's true, it can have very important implications for understanding movements in stock prices and answering questions such as, is the market too high today? And to show you how some of this technology works, I'm going to go back to something else that Professor DeModerin mentioned in his paper. And if you go to that link, you'll also see the details of the calculation that I'm about to do for you. But they're a good deal more complicated, I think, than the simplified form that I'm going to use. And here's what we're going to do. If you take this equation, P equals the present value of the, the cash flows times the growth rates, there's two ways you can use this. You can use the cash flows and the discount rate to solve for the level of the S&P 500, or you can take the current market level of the S&P 500, the cash flows, and solve for K. That's called the implied discount rate for the market. And I want to show you how that works. It's a lot of words, but I'm sure it sounds confusing to you. So let's just get into the details. And what I've produced here is a color-coded version of Professor DeModeran's implied discount rate for the S&P 500 market as a whole, as calculated on August 1st, 2020. So let's talk about the inputs and let me show you what goes on here. The first thing we need, we're going to try to figure out the discount rate for the market. The first thing we need is the current level of the market. And on August 1st, 2020, that was 4130.29 for the S&P. At that time, for the cash flows, the last 12 months earnings were 208.53 for all 500 stocks, for the entire group of stocks. And analysts were projecting that those earnings were going to grow for the next five years at a rate of 7.07%. Finally, to get the terminal value, you need to know how, long, how fast earnings are going to grow in the very long run. And what Professor DeModerin assumes is that they're going to grow at a rate equal to the 10-year Treasury rate, which on August 1st, 2022, was 2.65%. So these are all inputs. That allows us to come down to this yellow block here and apply the equation to compute 
the discount rate the market must be using. Let me show you how that works. First, we need the future earnings. Well, the future earnings equal the current earnings times the growth rate for next year, one plus the growth rate squared for two years and so forth. So here are the future earnings for the next five years. That's one year of growth, two years, three years, four years, and five years. And then the terminal earnings, you apply the lower rate of growth of 2.65 and you get 301.21. So those are the, the earnings, but we want the cash flows. Well, Demodorin uses a payout ratio in terms of dividends and buybacks of 86.41%. So if you multiply the earnings by the cash payout, you get, I mean, by the uh, payout ratio, you get the cash payout. And each of, this is it for each of the next five years. And then the terminal value of the, all the future cash payouts is 4,797.97. And <clears throat> the details on calculating that, I'll refer you to Professor Demodoran's paper. If you're not familiar with it, it's a very standard finance calculation. So the next thing to do is to take the present value of all these cash payouts. So to go back to the equation, what we're doing is we're taking, here's the first cash payout, we divide it by one plus K. The second pass cash payout, we divide it by one plus K squared, and so on and so forth. And it turns out that the total present value, what we want is we want this total present value, which is here, oops, Excuse me. Which is here, that's the total present value, to equal the current level of the market price. In other words, what discount rate K takes this whole sum and sets it equal to P? That would be the discount rate that explains the current market price. And the way to solve for that is to use the gold seek command in Excel. I've already done that. And the answer is 8.07. At a discount rate of 8.07, the present value of the equation that we just showed in total comes to 4130.29, the current level. Now, since the risk-free rate is 2.65%, the 10-year treasury, if the discount rate is 8.07, what is called the equity risk premium is the amount by which the expected return or the discount rate exceeds the risk-free rate as measured by 10-year treasuries. So we take the 8.07, subtract off 265, and you get a risk premium for the market currently of 5.42%. This is one of the most important numbers in finance. What it is saying is that investors require 5.42% per year over the current 10-year treasury rate to bear the risk of investing in common stocks as measured by the S&P 500.
Now, there's nothing that, that fixes that at 5.24%. If times get scarier, investors may demand a higher uh, risk premium. If times become very sedate, they might want a lower one. Now, to conclude the session, I want to show you how important the equity risk premium is. So, I said that it's currently at 5.42%. Here's what I did to, to demonstrate its importance. Going both directions, down or up, I said, suppose the equity risk premium falls by 10%, one click, another 10%, two clicks, finally a third 10%, three clicks, or rises by 10%, one click, another 10%, two clicks, or a third 10%, three clicks. So here we are, at least here we were, on August 1st, with the market at 41.30, you can see that if the equity risk premium were to fall to about 4% and nothing else were to change, cash flows, nothing changes, the market's going to rise to 5,693. Pretty astonishing. On the other hand, if the equity risk premium were to rise all the way to 7.22%, the market would fall to 3086, nothing else changing. I think you have to let this sink in. People say, well, can the market go to 5,000? It can do that without any change in corporate earnings if the equity risk premium falls to about 4.4%. Can it drop to 3,000? Sure, if the equity risk premium rises to about 7%. Now, what's going to determine or affect the equity risk premium? And I think the Fed has a, and the government have a role to play here, but it's not the short-term thing. Are they going to tighten this week? What's going to happen at the next meeting and so forth? It is possible that investors are becoming to believe that if circumstances become critical, as they did during the onset of the pandemic, the government is going to respond in a major way with big debt issuances, very loose monetary policy, payouts to people, and so forth. This wasn't assumed at any time, at least before the financial crisis. And if the government is doing this, that may be thought of as a form of insurance by investors. In fact, uh, the Fed behavior this way uh, is often referred to by traders as the Greenspan put on the grounds that Mr. Greenspan would help bail out the market at times. But the Greenspan put may be a lot deeper than that if it involves the Treasury, the President, as well as the Fed. And if that's the case, then the equity risk premium is likely to remain at low levels. And if it does, the current apparently high levels of the stock market with price earnings ratios above their long-term averages may be permanent. 
we may have entered a new world where investors will hold stocks for lower risk premiums. And that translates into higher prices. Now, all the news isn't good. It translates into higher prices, but only because investors are willing to ex expect lower returns on stocks. Now, maybe this is all wrong. Maybe that my speculation that investors are willing to accept lower rates of return than in the past because stocks are less risky is incorrect. If that's so, then there's the risk that the equity risk premium will return to higher levels of over 6% as it's been at times in the past. And if that's the case, we can expect a bear market. Now, as to which view is right, I wish I knew if I did, it would be affecting my own investment decisions. In fact, I don't. But I can tell you that understanding the, the discount rate or the expected return and how it works is absolutely critical for drawing a judgment of whether you think stocks are fairly priced at the current time. Thanks so much for listening. I know it's been a long one, but I hope it's been an informative one. This is Reflections on Investing with the Cornell Capital Group. See you next time. For more information, please visit www.cornell-capital.com. This podcast is being made available for educational purposes only and should not be used for any other purpose. The information contained herein does not constitute and should not be construed as an offering of advisory services or an offer to sell or solicitation to buy any securities or related financial instruments in any jurisdiction.